Collective Nightmares podcast. We are sociologists who talk horror. My name is Marshall Smith. I'm one of your hosts. We Every episode, we take a specific horror film, broadly defined, and we dig into the subtext, the construction of the film, what the implications are for that film and the topics it's addressing and the characters that it uses and uh we we do a deep dive to take a big picture look at how all that plays out and i'm laura patterson marshall and i both have our phds in sociology from the university of colorado at boulder and oh yeah sometimes it's messy and sometimes it's not (laughs) when we (laughs) dig into these films I usually try to give a, a little bit of a pitch here for like what I feel like the experience we had in this podcast kind of says about how horror films reflect our society. And this one, we got into the weeds a little bit on uh, the construction of, of messaging about really currently very socially important issues and how tricky it is, I think, to lay out a film that's going to uh, address those issues well right well right even even with very likely good intentions uh it was exciting this is the first episode in a very long time where laura and i have returned to the format of going to see the film in a theater and then recording in person right afterward which is very exciting and to for that occasion we went and saw spiral the uh, the the new chapter from the Book of Saw. Uh, what does the poster say? Um, oh, no, that's not the right poster. Well, whatever. You were supposed to get a poster tonight. It said on the thing. What? When I looked up the movie on Alamo, it said that you were supposed to get a limited edition poster. Don't tell me that now. I Laura. know, I just thought of tell it. Tell me that when I can go hassle someone. Uh... I'm a poster collector for those who are not listening. Well, I didn't see that, so now you've abused me of my ignorance. <laughs> Call them, my maybe. My bliss they'll... has been shattered. In they'll save it for you. <laughs> uh, I'm just, that's, I, I, I'll, 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 I'll talk to them. I'll figure something out. Um, so, yeah, we saw Spiral. Uh, let's see, I don't need to do that. Starring Chris Rock. Um, the synopsis from IMDb, a criminal mastermind unleashes a twisted form of justice in Spiral, the terrifying new chapter from the Book of Saw, which is absolutely not a synopsis. And also I would prefer that over the, uh, synopses on IMDb that often include like massive spoilers. So whoever wrote that, good job. At least you didn't put a bunch of spoiler shit in your fucking, um, in your fucking movie. Uh, um, 
Sorry, let me do one thing. Directed by Darren Lynn Boozman, 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 whatever, uh, who directed Saw 2 and 3, had major heavy hitters in this, Rock, executive produced, Sam Jackson is also in it. So yeah, we settled in and, and checked that out. We have spoilers, major spoilers in this episode for Spiral itself. We encourage you to see the film before you listen because we dive into details immediately. Major spoilers for Saw, major spoilers for Audition, minor spoilers for some other things, but minor, minor, minor. I think those are the big mentions that we need to address. Our entire catalog of episodes is available for free. We do this for free. We're also teachers, so if you would be willing to rate us, review us, tell some other folks who you think might enjoy, recommend us to you know friends or family or whomever, we would really appreciate it. We appreciate you listening. Um, is that it? I used to have a checklist for the stuff I needed to cover. Instagram. Oh, Instagram. Yes, by all means, follow us on Instagram at at Collective Nightmares. And uh, we want to record a podcast. You want to start? I can. Sure. I, if I remember correctly, one of our biggest issues with Saw was that there wasn't a clear referendum. There was no organization or very very mis, uh, mishmash of, of reasons for why people were targeted and got sucked into Saw's traps and puzzles. And some people had committed offenses and some people had just kind of thought about it and some people had done like terrible things and some people had done just like eh, it's not so bad <laughs> and so so I appreciated I, if nothing else this movie like totally clarified all of that awesome that's great like they had clear and I appreciate I wonder if that was Chris Rock's doing or or who who stepped in with that of like we're going to try and map this a little bit maybe onto the recent or we're going to leverage the recent issues with corrupt cops and and the cops are using unnecessary violence and just problematic just police in general that have excessive force is the phrase I was looking for all that kind of thing so I thought that was great the film itself um and I think our another our other primary criticism of Saw was particularly the first I guess we only did the first Saw right was it was all white people with like token total classic Pat L. Collins sidekick roles for anybody who was either a woman or a person of color and they flipped that almost completely here uh, so I, you know I gotta give I, I have to appreciate I have to say I appreciate both those moves if I were to put I mean we did on our list, we put those two concerns or our biggest issues with Saw. Um, if I again, if I remember correctly, obviously you can you can correct me if I if you remember different. And then, but the the trade off seems to have been that this film was in terms of direction and acting and uh, all the 
all the like technical side, whatever they gained in storytelling, they basically like they had a scale and they were like, we're gonna take all the skill and technical prowess with the creation of a film <laughs> and we're gonna put that into the ideology. <laughs> And the diversity and, and all of that, but it's going to have to come away from that. So, whereas the original Saw, all the filmmaking itself is extraordinary. It's beautifully paced and edited and framed and shot and music is great. And this film was, I think, at best, adequate. And it was adequate. I don't think it was terrible. It was, I felt like it was totally adequate. Uh, not to Not to jump the gun here, but... C minus, you know, things weren't, things weren't bad, but I, I never, I was never scared. I was never, I, I recoiled at some of the traps, but none of that tension of the original saw of like, oh shit, what's happening next? Who do we trust? Where's this going? I had none of it. I had none of it. I don't know. What it, and I'll throw that back to you. That's so interesting. We had really different experiences in this film, so this will be fun to talk about. And just to add to your list of original Saw critiques, there was also the issue that it was... The traps were, in the first Saw, the traps were logically sort of like internally inconsistent in that, you know, somebody did something bad, and so Jigsaw is going to come in and teach them a lesson, and as long as they do blah, 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 then they can get out or they can save themselves. But sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't, mm. which, and when it didn't, that made Jigsaw just as bad as they were, right? Because he, like, gave them the option, they took a choice, and then he's like, whoops, well, <laughs> too bad. <laughs> you know? So that didn't really make any sense. And there was this overarching feeling of like mansplaining going on in the first saw like i know all of your problems i know how to fix you i'm gonna come in and clean this right up and i can save the world and that was a problem in the first one so this one just got weird i I felt like i i kept wanting to hang in there and appreciate the connection to the police force and like you said there, there seemed to be sort of an ideological argument that they were getting at but when it came down to it i felt like it was a mess And so I really want to talk through that because, oh, it was just so confusing. It was so confusing. I'm debating if I should leap off on that first. I guess so. Before you do that, were you you scared at all? Did you get any? Oh, yes. Also, I I thought the violence in this film was so much harder to watch than anything I can remember that we've seen recently. And I couldn't figure out why. When I was there, I was like, wow, is this like because I haven't seen a film in the theater in so long? Is it... (laughs) I have no idea. It was awful. I just thought it was brutal. I thought every scene was absolutely, I don't know if scarier is the right word, but like I looked away and I'd like never look away. I looked away almost every single time I couldn't take it and I had to like divert, avert my eyes because it was just so bad. So I thought this one was really effective in that regard, almost too much so. And I will say that I agree with you. I recoiled at some of it, but I wasn't, it wasn't as, the gore was great, but I didn't get any of the suspense or tension. But saw the tension of the whole movie was like, well, are you going to saw your foot off or not? Right? It was, and it was like, oh, God, what do you do? And like, it was like, eh. And I will say with the tongue thing, I was like, I could probably do that. <laughs> He got the tongue, which I mean, I'm not saying I want to rip my tongue out of my mouth. That sounds pretty terrible. But compared to the head of the department who had to sever her spinal cord, I'm like, this is 
unreasonably right. extreme. And the tongue, all he had to do was kick out the stool and like let it happen. Right. Which is why I think I could do that. The, oh, you got to bite down till it grabs. And if you unclench your jaw, your fingers stop being pulled. So you have to go through the whole thing deliberately and consciously. None of those others I could I could do, right? But they're like, well, you just got to kick off the stool or a subway is going to hit you. Again, I was like, Ugh. anyway, but that's fine. That was good. So they ramped up the stakes and that's okay. That's cool. It was it was totally a horrific device. And like having that, having it, it was, that was all shot very well, actually. The pre-title card sequence was, was done well. But, you know, flipping back and forth between these, extreme close-ups of his eye and his tongue and the device and um, and then back to the expanse of the tunnel and all that. I think I felt more tension in those scenes than I did in the first Saw. You're right. Overall, Saw had a better plot going on. So in the scenes that weren't like mid-torture, it was still, there was still a lot of tension there. In this film, there wasn't much tension or even as much interest, I think, when it wasn't the torture scenes. But the torture scenes themselves, I thought were just... By far worse. And they I, were. I can't explain why. I just thought they were. They were. I, I guess my, my only other thing is... I, no, I have two things that are related. Is the homage to the Saw was really ham-handed. Even though I did kind of appreciate it. But it was very... It was very heavy-handed. And then the other piece was... There was no twist here. And, I mean, that's what made Saw, right? He gets up off the floor and it's like, fucking your mind is blown. Um, uh, and, I mean, obviously that's a very hard thing to recreate, but I would have liked to have seen an effort at that. And I don't even feel like there was a real effort. I mean, what, what was the reveal that it was the partner was supposed to be the big twist? Uh, I thought he was dead. I believed it yeah, when we got but, his little tattoo. Right, but it's not, it wasn't. It wasn't a Kramer or whatever his name is, gets up off the floor. It wasn't that. It was very standard, like, murder mystery. Dun-dun-dun, he's not dead. Well, you know. <laughs> uh, anyhow, okay, so you want to start an ideology? Yeah, I want to okay. jump into the big issues here, because... Oh, it was just so weird. It was so weird. Okay, so overall, the film was... I'm just going to run through this argument and then we'll, we'll correct it if it's wrong. It was sort of set up as a critique on the police system. And we were discussing various things that cops had done that had been problematic and those things were being elevated and, and brought to our attention. By the villain in the film. And then we have our protagonist, kind of mostly, Chris Rock, who is a police person. So we're sort of on the police's side in this whole setup that's highlighting a critique of the police. But then we're also, I thought, sort of on board with the critique of the police, especially because Chris Rock himself is someone who had previously, you know, ratted out a dirty cop. And so Chris Rock is, elevates himself above the system a little bit or, or is willing to critique the system. So if it was a critique of this police system, then, God, the ending is so weird, right? Because we have, if we as an audience were meant to leave critiquing the police, 
I think that puts us in the the shoes of the villain, and we should have wanted Chris Rock to flip sides and kill his dad and not go save the guy who was getting blasted with the glass, which would have been weird. Mm. And I, I didn't want him to, nor did I feel like we were supposed to want him to. But it didn't go so far as, you know, I feel like we're back into, um, oh, the episode that will always be brought up, even though we never, <laughs> ever recorded it. What we did, uh, uh, the Japanese one, the audition. audition thank Kate you. Christ, really? You're going to go audition? I am. Again? Absolutely. I'm going to go audition again. We should record on audition one of these days. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, exactly where you've got the villain who is uh, representing right. an argument that, right. you know, should be true, but they're the villain. And so we as an audience are fighting against them. It f- could have been that if we were actually on Chris Rock's side. But there was nuance because Chris Rock was kind of critical of the system as well. And so it was just a confusing mess, I felt like. And to me, the ideological takeaway to me in the final scenes, when we have the partner who's there trying to get Chris Rock to decide and and gives him, I mean, almost, gosh, stereotypically the choice between, like, come with me, let's clean up the system in this vigilante justice kind of way, or kill your dad because your dad did some problematic things in the system. And or I guess both, right? Mm -hmm. I think the film was really conflating the structural versus individual agency when it comes to systemic problems. You know, not to say that individuals in a problematic system don't have culpability, because I, I wouldn't make that argument. But it's also wrong to say that individuals in a problematic system hold all of the culpability, because there is a, a structure, there's a, a culture, there's a set of influences that have happened to those individuals that, no, doesn't absolve them of responsibility for their behaviors, but also doesn't make them solely agentic in what they're doing. And I think by by setting Chris Rock up in this position where it's like, let's take down the system, again, as individuals, right, not in a systemic, not let's change the culture somehow, not let's highlight this to the media and get more public attention brought to these issues, nothing like that. But let's go out individually and hurt individual people who did bad things. And, you know, look, your dad is one of them. Your dad did a problematic thing. Your dad deserves to die. That's just, it's, it's, pointing the finger in the wrong place and it seems to be lacking a structural appreciation of any of those problems and then i was just confused i was like do you want does the film want us to critique the police system and if so it just makes so much more sense to recognize that that's not a purely individual critique that's not an individual of this bad person that bad person that bad person that bad person it's it's a critique of a system that propagates those types of behaviors and makes certain behaviors easier than others and a culture that influences people in a certain direction, which extends even outside of the police department itself. I mean, why do people get into that position in the first place? And what does it say about our larger society? And I know I'm getting really big picture, but that's, I guess I'll I'll stop there. But I just, gosh, it was just weird. So I think we need to parse through that and figure out what it was even saying. Yeah, I totally am glad you're bringing all that nuance. What that makes me think of immediately is we're back to, we're back to a discussion we had Shit, I don't know. Maybe that was with Saw. I mean, it might have been with Saw, which is at what point? At what point do we decide that people are structure? And I'm with you. With I suppose that's you have a different approach to that being being in program evaluation, and obviously something needs to change beside the personnel. But it's interesting that his father was, and the 
Garza were the like top people in the department. So it wasn't grunts. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't low level folks. There wasn't all low level folks who were part of the problem. Like they also actually pointed a finger at the cover-ups and the, the people higher up who were covering things up. But I do, I, I, I'm with you that we should go back through it and parse out a little bit of what happened. Cause I think you do, I think there's more nuance there than maybe I thought, thought about while I was watching the film. So I'm glad you bring that up. Cause so we have whatever happened. Some, some guy witnesses a dirty cop. Another cop goes in, kills him. Chris Rock. Do we even know his name besides Chris Rock? <laughs> Zeke. We do. <laughs> we should have known that. Um, and we should look up Ezekiel in the Bible, what, what that name means in the Bible before we're done here. But so Zeke, it's his partner. Zeke point, rats on him. And then unrelated to that, the guy with the who had the fingers torn off was that related or unrelated that he shot whoever was in the car I thought that was unrelated okay okay and dad and and Garza covered it up basically was their problem and then the tongue guy was also unrelated was just he lied on the stand to put people away, so that was unrelated. So there were, like, there's the one main thing, incident, with the witness to the corrupt cop. Other cop, his partner, Pete, maybe, comes in and kills him. Kid sees him. Kid grows up to be the partner. And that was the key issue where that involved, that tied in Pete, Garza, Dad... Maybe, maybe that somebody else. Maybe, Dang, don't remember. So, 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 tell me again. So we're we're so there. The sins are manipulating evidence, excessive force, and then the and then covering up the problems with the police with individual police actors, and then there's also the. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's it. Is that it? And then Chris Rock is, he's the hero because hes he did what was right. He pointed, he ratted out his friend and suffered through all this crap, even though he apparently had a partner who, or who, who he had a person who he was close to who had been lying and was still a problem in the police force for years Whoever it was where he had to go and tell his her, his wife, right? He was like, oh, we're friends. He raised my kids, yada, yada. It's like, okay, well, you ran it on the one guy, but you're friends with this other cop for the next 14 years, and you never realized that he was also dirty? So that's messy to start with. And then you were saying, what else? You were saying... Let me, let me lay out a, yeah, an analogy to audition that I think will be helpful right here. So we have a real problem in society, which is excessive use of force by the police. And all of these, these instances that you just laid out that they highlighted in this film, we have someone, you know, killing someone for no reason on a traffic stop, it looks like we have someone, you know, lying to get innocent people put away, we have we have all this really problematic stuff happening. 
And then we have a film that brings in, I guess, I guess we'll say the, the villain in the film is upset by this real societal problem, but comes in with a really over-the-top vigilante justice, really excessively brutal, violent kind of solution, which I suppose if the villain was meant to be the hero of the film would be a message that would be like, hey, just go out and, you know, kill single-handedly any police officer that you think might have done something wrong. We need to take this into our own hands, which would be a problematic message for a film to put out there. That's too much, right? That's right. like a way too extreme yeah. reaction to a very real problem. Just like in Audition, right, where we had, we had the film was clearly structured around you know, gender oppression. And then we have a villain who takes it too far, who goes and brutalizes this man who wasn't even doing anything wrong in that particular instance. And, you know, it wasn't really his fault. And so she ends up being wrong. And when we watched mm -hmm. that film, we highlighted this as like, hey, you're, you're making a villain out of something that is actually, like the, the argument that she was fighting against is correct, even though her response to it was extreme and wrong. And so that really problematizes her. It makes it seem like, oh, she's just an overreaction when really, no, it's a real problem. Right. And so here we've got the same thing, right? We've got. It, and I just want to. So that. So, and that's really problem, or that's doubly problematic because then it delegitimizes the criticism of the real issue. Yes. The real, the valid criticism of the legitimate structural issue that is going on, whether that be gender oppression or police. Police problems, generally, at yes. large. Okay. But, but the weird sticky point, I feel like, in this one is that, yeah, we have exactly that setup, right? We have a villain who's a really strong overreaction to a very real problem, and to be on the villain side would be crazy, and so we're not really on the villain side. But, but by situating us in Chris Rock's shoes, and then having Chris Rock also be critical of the system, we sit at this weird point where it's not like Audition. In Audition, we were very much, the woman was the villain, and we were on the man's side, and that was that. In this film... I felt like it was trickier. You know, we were on the cop side in the sense that we were with Chris Rock. When Chris Rock went, it was a crucial point in the film when he goes up and he puts the trash can over his head and he mm. tries to save the guy. That felt to me like, again, this individual versus structure kind of argument. Like on an individual level, this was another human being. He didn't want this person to die a brutally painful death for what that person had done. I didn't feel like we as an audience were supposed to be critical of him. I thought it would be hard for anybody to sit there and let someone be torn up by glass and not go in and try to at least end their suffering. And, well, and that character in particular, he'd served nine years or something for what he'd done. And so he wasn't, I mean, everybody else had just somehow gotten off or slipped through the cracks or whatever. There was no, so I think it was totally, I thought it was totally justifiable. It, it was totally reasonable that he, he went in and tried to sit. And I think, we, yeah, I think we were supposed to think yeah. that as the audience. Right. Right. And so we were in this weird position where we we were not on the villain's side. We were against the villain when Chris Rock tries to save his dad, for example, at the end, even after getting the lecture on, hey, here's what your dad did. And we got a very brief and not sufficient, I felt like, description of whatever it was, Article 8 or whatever they were talking about. But he picks his dad. He picks this personal individual allegiance to somebody who is a broader person than just their actions within the structure right now i'm not saying that's the correct thing to do but he picks it and it's understandable in his shoes why he picks it and i think we as the audience were supposed to pick it with him but it, i don't think we were 
fighting against the argument that the police system needs reform. At the same time, I felt like the film was actually trying to highlight those issues. It's just really confusing that it then the resolution was by villainizing, right? The person who was highlighting those issues. It, you know what I mean? Like the, the way they solved the problem was so brutal and wrong that we were in the position of saying, whoa, 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 stop, that's too much. But I don't feel like it completely delegitimized their argument the way I felt like audition, the read of audition could be that it was delegitimizing the the real issues that the woman was fighting against. This was a weird one. It was. To circle back around, I think then it becomes... Circle back around. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, save that one for later. I got my own pun. Anyway, no pun intended. Uh, It becomes then very important that the cops could have lived. With the exception of the lieutenant whoever who had to like sever her spine which that, that was yeah that was no good but the like pull off your fingers cut out your tongue that really hedges the bet against i'm just slaughtering shitty cops or corrupt cops or problematic cops you you could you're not gonna be able to testify or you know or whatever like the, and and i appreciate that there was a linkage between you lie under oath, therefore we're going to take your tongue, or your t- it's your tongue of your life, or, or th- you know, so there was like a, a logistic, a practical as well as symbolic linkage between that. The, uh, like I said, the, the spine thing was like, okay, <laughs> that, that's, not re- that's not reasonable. Um, that's, not, uh, that's not a trade-off that that's, uh, allows... I don't feel like there was any sort of real trade-off or or option or potential. So then, that's back to, like, what we were talking about with Seven, with the model in particular, like, cut off your nose to spite your face. Like, you could live, you just would be... You you would have to deal with the problems of being disfigured rather than be able to make money off your looks or whatever it was. But you could, you really, there was actual, like, you could survive that. But I feel like you're arguing us into the villain side in this. Like, oh, was there a reasonable sort of moral standing for them to say, hey, these things are problematic. We need to villainize them. Maybe. Like I said, that go- it goes farther than I feel like an acceptable moral argument would go to say vigilante justice and, again, just purely individual culpability versus like structural reckoning, because those feel like very different things to me. But even if you wanted to take that starting point, even if you wanted to just for the sake of argument say, well, okay, let's say that the morally right argument here was the argument of the villain. The what film is his name? didn't. We... Your villain is is screwing me up. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know why. Shank. That's not gonna. Help. <laughs> That's gonna I'm be gonna easier. <laughs> well, whatever. Charlie. Oh, his name wasn't Charlie. William Charlie was Shank. Anyway, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. So. You don't, so, I'm sorry, so help me understand again. You don't think we should have any understanding for Shank? No, I, th- I think some understanding makes sense. I'm just, I'm confused because I feel like the film was mostly arguing against him. Mostly? Maybe it was trying to present nuance, but if so, that's kind of weird. 
it's like he was doing something so extreme that it was arguing against his reaction, but trying to highlight that the thing that he was upset about actually was problematic. And I feel like those examples that you're laying out there of like, oh, well, at least they could have lived or they could have whatever. People were targeted for good reasons. Like it's sort of supporting his way of doing it. It's, I mean, I feel like the film's ideology was a mess. That's why. <laughs> I'm over here like, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I thought of you in that way as we were watching the film. I thought Marshall might be on board <laughs> with what he's doing. Uh, I mean, what, what, yeah, I might be on board. I mean, I, a, I mean, I feel like that's exactly what we're struggling right now is what, what exactly do we think reforming the cops is going to look like? If we aren't gonna, if we aren't gonna attribute personal blame to the cops who are the bad actors, if we aren't gonna put them in jail, if we aren't gonna, if we aren't gonna require lawsuit money to come out of like the pensions of cops, I mean, this police reform has been happening for whatever since they were like you know people who went and cops were the folks who went and caught runaway slaves. The reform is not. I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but you totally sound like the like. Martin Luther King's like well-meaning white real liberal. You're like, well, we can't actually do anything with cops. Like, yeah, and I'm not okay. trying to put that in your. I'm not trying to put that in your mouth. But if we're gonna say like, well, you can't do this um, when this you know, is like, movie, well, um, no, no, you know, wait. it's not a courtroom drama. It's <laughs> now I got lost. <laughs> that's okay. I was lost before. Help me. Maybe maybe I'm still lost. So, so what we're trying to figure out is is what we're trying to figure out is the movie. Who was who's, right? Who's, who's the whose side is the movie on? Yeah, who's the, yeah? And I don't think I don't think the film is allowed to be on the villain or what was his name? <laughs> William Shatner. I don't remember. Um, Shank. Shank. I don't think Shank. the film is allowed to be on his side because he's going crazy with it but it's weird to take a real problem have him respond to a real problem in a way that is so over the top extremely violent and then have us watch the film and and want to see him get shut down and want to see the cops get away it's it's just weird okay i've i think i'm starting to get some more focus on what you're i I don't feel like i've fully groped your um, your ar- argument yet do we want Samuel L. Jackson and Chris Rock to get away at the end or do we, do we, we want them to join him I think we want them to get away but if we want them to get away what we're saying as the watchers of the film and the film itself right is that whoa 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 slow down here we don't need to be going this far with this problem now I, mean, I would agree with that argument I would agree we don't need to be going that far we don't need to be like tying individual policemen up and you know torturing them but i'm not saying that either just for the record (laughs) my face is saying one thing i'm not i'm I'm not i do think that that there needs to be more drastic repercussions for cops but no i'm not saying we need to like right there's a difference between taking someone's pension away and and whatever right making them sever their spinal cord (laughs) right exactly 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 so if if the film is going to take its space to argue, whoa, that's too much, what a weird statement. When it's when it's a real problem. Like, does the film want to highlight the problematic nature of 
excessive use of force by police and all these other problematic practices because if it does why waste your time telling a story of whoa slow down we don't need to kill them all that's just a weird thing to do it doesn't it doesn't fit with the argument of wanting to actually highlight that as a problem it's also strange to have the moral of the film be like kill them all go for it like (laughs) let's skin everybody i mean my gosh i can't even imagine that would be ridiculous. So I don't think that's better. But it, it's just a weird choice of topic and a weird way to deal with it. I'm sorry I've used the weird the word weird like 700 times, but I just I can't. But it's actually it is weird. It yeah. is just why take an issue that is so heavily important right now, and then take that stance on it. The like, well, well, slow down. We don't need to skin anybody. <laughs> well. Dang. Okay, so okay, so maybe we can pivot and that'll help us figure out. Sure. So the, a different kind of way of saying that is if Chris Rock is the hero, which I think he is. I mean, he clearly is, right? He's the protagonist, but he's also the hero. The fact that he did the right thing and does the right thing throughout the film... Yes, yes, yes. Can I just jump in? Including Thanks. being friends with the guy who was a dirty cop who helped raise his kids, including saving his Although dad at the expense of. Apparently, he didn't know that the cop was dirty. Right. But ignorance. But still, he exactly. Have, whatever. Okay. Exactly. Anyway, sorry to cut you off. I mean, being a, a person in that system who didn't see that or wasn't looking for it including saving his dad at the end, even understanding what problematic role his dad may have played in excessive force that was used in certain communities and his dad even gives a little speech about like hey we had to do this to help take down the crime rate or whatever his dad says and chris rock still chooses to save him chris rock yeah as the protagonist and he tries to save the the head of the department right he's very much invested in saving her and it's it's sad when she's not alive the right thing to do is like whoa whoa moderation and you know we can we can still and chris rock himself is sometimes problematic a little bit i mean when he goes and gets the drug dealer to try to get the information out of him and he's pouring the whiskey on his leg and he's like you know that wasn't great he's he himself is not acting in ways that are necessarily are right throughout the film and so that's the core question If, if he did the right thing and he is the protagonist and i think he is and he did i mean from the viewpoint of the film then it's kind of like all right, come on, we don't need to shake things up. These aren't bad people. They don't need to lose their job or they don't need to, they don't need that much reprimand or, oh, my best friend who raised my children was doing terrible things. Well, I had no idea. We don't talk about that. I don't know. You know, it's not good. Well, then what if, then what if the message of the film is that both Chris Rock, who is a vigilante within the department and... Well, Anne Schenk, who is a vigilante within the department, one on the side of, uh, like, doing the right thing when when you can, and the other, like, or Chris Rock being like, I will call people out, especially if they step over a line, but I'm also going to do problematic things. What, are, what if we're just punishing them both? What if we're saying both, neither one of them? I mean, they're both, they're, they're both cops. They're both doing things that are trying to address the the unacceptable behavior of cops, and neither one of them is effective, and neither one of them wins. I mean, he, he survives, but he loses his dad. He loses his friend. Uh, 
uh, I keep wanting to call him Jigsaw Shank. He loses also. I mean, he's he's he lost his dad. He doesn't accomplish what he wants to accomplish with the cops either, right? I mean, he gets away, but he like nobody's learned a lesson. He doesn't. None of the cops come away thinking like, oh well, I better get myself my act together or spirals coming after me or whatever. You're right. He says that. Like he proposes that as his role, but we don't have the scenes like we had in the first saw where you have. I think it was the woman who was a drug mm-hmm. addict or something who's like, oh, you know, Jigsaw saved me here. Mm-hmm. I my life is suddenly better now. Right. So you're right. We don't see it accomplish anything. But 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 I still agree with you. And maybe you didn't say this, but I feel like what you're saying is that doesn't really work because we felt like we were on Chris Rock's side. But again, he's like, I mean, in some ways, I wonder if you think there's an argument that. Chris Rock is kind of like a, I don't know if this knowledge is right or not. I'm trying to go too highbrow, but like stranger, Camus, stranger, like he's doing all these things within the system, but none of them work. He works within the system by ratting out on his friend. He works outside the system by trying to go it alone. He comes back into the system because he finally accepts a new partner and and takes on an investigation again and tries to work with cops that he knows are hung him out to dry got him shot and throughout he never he never he never wins he he tries to reconcile with his father he doesn't he he tries to say he so he's like a tragic hero at best right i think there might be i think there maybe is a case that like i don't think it made but overtly but there is something maybe to be said for really what we're seeing is the futility of of cops within the system to be able to actually solve anything? Maybe, but then Shank is outside the system. He's operating outside the system and he doesn't really solve anything either. I have a proposition. So Shank should have been a community organizer. (laughs) (laughs) Who was organizing another plan other than getting people alive. What, if, what if we write a reboot we we crowdsource jigsaw you know what I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, going, I was going somewhere totally different and I'm trying to decide if I'm going to get off that train or not you no know, I'm just throwing out I'm just throwing shit out here Laura I'm having fun go ahead You're, I'm sorry I didn't mean to what if they were just trying to capitalize on the fact that like hey right now it would be really cool if we had our film tie into the current cultural moment there's a lot of commentary about you know police violence what if you know it's actually a cop and they're trying to like fight cops that are doing bad things and so like then there's you know we talk about cops who like killed someone at a traffic stop and we talk about cops who were you know whatever just like they came Excuse at me. it from that angle because that would somehow get it publicity. And they didn't bother to really think through the implications of what they were laying out there. But they probably, I mean, in some implicit sort of way, they were like, well, we, you know, they wouldn't have made a film where it's like, oh, we're not going to argue that you should skin all the police. Like, that would be too much. So they didn't do that. And they thought, well, we're not going to argue that these things are wrong. Like, we want, you know, Chris Rock's going to be a cop who, like, recognizes problems in the police department because 
we need to acknowledge these are real problems that people care about right now. But, you know, we're going to kind of walk the the middle line. We're going to make sure we don't offend the people who are on the police's side. Hey, it's it's about the police. We're trying to save them. We care about them. They're good people. And, you know, we also want to recognize that there are these problems. But, you know, again, we're not advocating killing anybody. We're just going to raise all these issues up because they're currently relevant. And they did that without actually thinking about it. And so because of that, it's a muddy mess because it didn't have an angle. I think they might have even... Well, I hate to say it. I, I would love for one of the other kind of things I was throwing out there to be right. Particularly, I would love it if they were really trying to disabuse us of the notion that both... That either a honest, good cop inside or a fucked up cop outside of the inside, both on the outside and inside, either one of them could actually reform police. I would love for that to be the case. I think what you're saying is Occam's razor decidedly more likely. And I could even say, I've heard, I, I think, I think Chris Rock is, you know, I don't think he's any Danny Glover, but I think he's a conscientious, I mean, he's been doing stand-up comedy on the, that, that has addressed, I mean, his, his like, comedy about gun violence like you know every bullet should be five thousand dollars then you wouldn't have people just randomly getting shot because you'd have to you know he's got a that's a whole classic stand-up bit so like he's not he's not an unthinking person but uh, so i could i could see how at kind of a which is what i probably took away even at a surface level maybe not even a surface level like one level down you could look at the film and be like, okay, we are. We're criticizing, we're drawing, we're criticizing the police, we're criticizing abuses. We, we're showing some struggle of how difficult it is to try and address these issues, even if you're trying to be a good cop on the inside. So it's it wasn't just a totally unthinking, but but it but drilling down, maybe it doesn't pan out the way again I just want to give Chris Rock the benefit of the doubt of maybe it doesn't pan out the way he wanted to that could have been for a million reasons I mean sure he's starring in it he's executive producing it Saw is still a I mean seven films that have grossed what did we decide like 200 billion or two billion, 200 million dollars like a lot of money altogether and they're handing off this property the studio is still going to be involved and I'm sure Chris Rock also studio influence or not like you said, is not going to be like, well, we're just going to come in and... Okay, I'm sorry. I want to say this. Part of more reasons I'm giving Chris Rock the fit of the doubt. He made the... Did you ever see the comedy Head of State? I don't think so. Well, it's... it's. I mean, it was like early 2000s, and it's basically like he runs for president as a, as a black man. And it's like all of this satire about how impossible it would be for a a black man to run for president in the United States of the U of the U S unless you, unless you basically lose all of the cultural aspects that make you black. Um, he did the documentary good hair about his daughters being dissatisfied or thinking that their natural hair as, as black girls was un, unacceptable. So like he, you know, he's not, I, I just, that, that's why I'm, he's not an unthinking person. I mean, his his newest stand-up. If you haven't seen it, I'm gonna cut. I'll cut that in here. Here's, here's my question. You would think, you would think, you would think the cops would occasionally shoot a white kid just to make it look good. 
You would think that every couple of months they'd look at their dead nigga calendar and go, oh my God, we're up to 16. We gotta shoot a white kid quick. Oh, uh, which one? Ah, uh, the first one you see singing Cardi B. <laughs> That's right. I mean, honestly, I, I want to live in a world with real equality. I want to live in a world where an equal amount of white kids are shot every month. <laughs> an equal world. I want to see white mothers on TV crying, standing next to Al Sharpton, <laughs> talking about, we need justice for Chad. <laughs> we need justice for Chad. He, he was just coming home from racquetball practice. He starts out and he's like, you know, watching all this police violence. He's like, it seems like, and I'm gonna do the terrible, so I'll cut, my, cut it in, but for you, Laura, I'll say, he does this stand-up where it's like, you would think that sooner or later, the cops would kill an innocent white person, just to make it look better. <laughs> He's like, it's always a black person. You think that sooner or later, yeah, you just kill a white person, it evens it out a little bit, it gives you some like plausible deniability, is like his whole bit, right? So he's, you know, he, he's he's thinking about these things, and he's drawing attention in ways that I think he's he's uh, uh, he's trying to draw attention and use his standing in the in the community to or in the culture to to pull things in. Uh, so I just don't want to. Um, I do. I, I guess so. Long story short, is I do want to try and give him some of the benefit of the doubt. Of, I, and I don't think it was, even with everything you're saying, I don't think any of that you're saying was, like, ill-intentioned. I think the intentions were good, and I think the intentions were solid, and I think there's something about, in particular, which we haven't talked about at all, that the SWAT team kills his father. So it's it's the cops eating their own, and that's only happening... Well, not only, but it's largely happening because... He's a black guy who, in the dark, with a, a gun like tied to his hand or whatever, is assumed to be, we're just going to open fire. We're not going to, you know. Uh, yeah, so. I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. Yeah. It just says devil's advocate. I couldn't yeah. help but have this counter argument running through my head as you're saying that. Of like, yeah, but... What if it was like a horror film about Trump and the whole film, they were like critiquing things he did and all of this. But at the end, like the culminating scenes are like, you know, him running away from somebody who's trying to hurt him. And you see some connection between him and his family members and whatever. And you're rooting for them to get away. And then, you know, at the end, they get away because that's the right thing to not have them get actually like attacked by the monster. You're saying Chris Rock gets away or Shank? No, no, well, I was just saying, what if you had a horror film about Trump? And but who is Trump in the analogy here? The one who gets, oh, who in Z the... Zeke or Shank? Or well, I guess, I guess I would say the problems of the police force. So I guess, I guess it's kind of a combo. I guess I would say Chris Rock and his dad. Right, it's like you're highlighting the problems of something. You're critiquing it. You're like really critiquing it. But at the end, you want it to escape 
the monster and you're kind of happy as an audience when it does because it didn't deserve that it's just a it's a weird way of critique right it's like critique but also sort of coddling at the same time and if you strongly hold that critique you would look at those final scenes and be like what the heck just happened there like that's i feel like that's what this film did it it took the argument of police misbehavior and kind of coddled it off the screen at the end through these sort of individual emotional ties of like, oh yeah, but you know, he treats his mom well or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm getting in the weeds there. I hope you can follow my metaphor, but like, <laughs> you know, like, it tried to make us have that sort of empathy for characters who were representative of really problematic things. And then we let them off the hook because even though they did this really problematic structural thing, which is a structural issue that we need to highlight and we need to critique in society. Yeah, they're, they're nice to grandma or they bake good cookies or they whatever. The, the sentimental connections that we had to them were not related to their bad behavior. And that, not to overuse the word Trump, but that trumped for us. I think your analogy is breaking down because I don't think there's any sentimental connection to Trump. On the part of his children. I think Donald's fucking sociopaths, too. <laughs> I mean, Except for uh, whoever, the, whoever the one kid is who's like desperately would like some sentimental connection to Trump, but uh, apparently hasn't gotten any and isn't going to get any because, you know, Trump's a malignant narcissist. Uh, I'm sorry. I stepped on your... <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, so I'm going to turn this a different quarter again, Laura, and say, what what would you have done, or what would we have done? Oh, I shouldn't put that all on you. I'm in this with you. What would we have done to to salvage some sort of... Because I, 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 how about this? I don't disagree with anything you're saying either. And everything you're saying, I look at that and I think to myself then... Okay, if that's true, and we're going to try and do some sort of nuance of you're an individual in a corrupt system, and you're trying to do the right thing, but you're also trying to balance your humanity and your your sentimental, your hum- your emotional connection to these folks who've been in your lives outside of their unacceptable uh, behavior in their roles as cops then the details and the nuance it has to be really dialed in. Because you can do that, right? You can, you could do the nuanced critique, but you would need to have it, you really need to be clear on what you're doing and have it really be sharp. You know, Nightcrawler comes to mind, right? Where, I mean, maybe that's not exactly, but the details all play out to really emphasize, like the like the uh, person he hires in Nightcrawler. There's just a lot of everything is really done nicely. I wonder if there is some way that we couldn't, or if there are ideas that you have where we could have started with a similar setup and what, what would have, what could we have adjusted to, to tune those details, you know? I have a general saw question for you that ties into that. Great. Is Jigsaw always wrong or were we always supposed to have mixed feelings about Jigsaw and how he kind of was right in his mansplaining? Well, I think we, at least with our discussion of, of Saw for the podcast, I felt like we really hammered on Jigsaw for 
for it being, I remember hammering on, I remember us hammering on it on the film for uh, Jigsaw totally being that neoliberal, I would just suck it up and toughen it up and let's force the issue. And if you're a good person, you'll get your life together. And if you're not, well, screw you. You should die on a subway or pit tracks or whatever, right? So I don't. I guess I should have been clear then. I guess from the film's perspective, not from ours. Was Jigsaw always supposed to be a little bit right? Yeah, I think so. Because maybe that could help salvage this film, too, if the villain is supposed to be a little bit right. If you're supposed to leave with some question as to whether Chris Rock should have joined him or not. I mean, gosh, that's a weird line to walk. I do, and I I think back to... um, I just took a whole journey in my in my head but it's one of those things that i at at a macro level i think people point to as real issues with the first generation of slasher films is the stars of those films end up being the killers with the exception of possible exception to some extent of nancy in nightmare on elm street and i guess maybe laurie strode in halloween but those Laurie, Laurie and Halloween was like one, kind of like Nightmare on Elm Street in three. And then she really doesn't come back to like Halloween Resurrection and then the, the recent one. But I mean, the issue was, or a lot of people said, and I think I even said that to you when I tried to, you know, when I sold posters at that con, like this little six-year-old kid running around with like a little plastic play school chainsaw and a leather, mace, leather face mask. And it's like... um how many people could name a single character from any of those films other than the killer? Same with Jigsaw. Nobody knows who the fuck. I don't, we just watched Saw six months ago. I don't know who Carrie Elliot's. I don't know what his character's name is. We know who Jigsaw is. Uh, we know who John Kramer, Cramner, whatever his name is. I mean, I kind of do. But... I mean, they're, they're, they end up being the celebrity, right? Are they the, and if we are, so if we don't have, and all of that is to say, I don't think we just love to hate them. I think we are, we do have to have, we have to be on their side a little bit or have some sort of appreciation or some sort of, you know, they need to tap into some sort of, of our sadism or whatever of like, yeah, some people do deserve or have to be pushed or, I don't know, maybe. Then that's it's. Am I totally off, or do you think that's? No, I think you're right, and I wonder if that interpretation of this film, at least, leaves. I don't know. Gives it a little bit of immunity to the critique I was laying out there. So I don't don't follow that. If you want to make a film to critique anything, I would say you don't make a horror film where you're going to chase that thing by a monster and then have the audience have sympathy for that thing you were critiquing and have that thing fight it off. That's not how it works, right? You, If you want to critique something in a horror film, you make the thing you're critiquing the monster. And then when it gets fought off at the end, it's it's shown to be a problem. It's shown to be a villain. It's shown to be evil. In this case, the problem, the thing that we're actually calling problematic in society, that wasn't the monster. That's the thing that the monster was, right? 
you, you, you got too abstract. I'm sorry. T- tonight, Laura, I just need you to spell out. You lost me somewhere in there. Excessive use of force by the police. Okay. Is the monster. That's what we're... Not in this film, but could if you were going to do a film where you were going to critique excessive use of force by the police, I think you would make that the monster and then you would have your protagonist fight it off. But in this film, it's the opposite. It was the the victim. Excessive use of force by the police was the victim. The villain was like the moral argument against excessive use of force by police. <laughs> How is the excessive use of force by the police the victim? What? Yeah, because it's because all the all the people who die or who are terrorized by what's his name? I forgot his name again. Shank. Shank. All the people who are terrorized by Shank are representatives of problematic police behavior. And they're the victims in the film. Okay, I see. So at the very base level, if sin is death, Friday the 13th Part 2, underage sex, premarital sex, drug use is the victim, that's who dies. So you're punishing that. Here, problematic cop behavior is the sin, so that's who dies. Wait, so what's wrong with that? I'm sorry. I'm really not trying to be. <laughs> no. I'm not trying to. I'm not. I'm not d- deliberately trying to create problems. I'm. I'm literally just trying to. I still. No, you're feel not. Like I think I'm you caught me. Missing something from your. Maybe. Peak. Maybe. I, I. just feel like I'm missing something from what you're saying. Maybe you got me in that. I, I don't know that I do. I wasn't trying to get you. I was but really maybe, just trying to. But think you might have. The the one thing that I do think might be a get you kind of, but uh, actual wrinkle. Is doesn't doesn't it matter that it was the dirty cops who actually co- created Shank in the first place? Because they killed his dad, who was trying to do the right thing, and he watched as a kid. Maybe. Maybe maybe I, it's okay for us to be both on Shank's side and on Chris Rock's side. What's Chris Rock's name? Banks, Zeke, Zeke, both on Shank and Zeke's side. I think we are. I will say this. I did want what here's what I would have liked to have shot and seen how it works. This is what I was hoping uh, is what if what if the game with Zeke's dad had been set up to where he had to shoot the target that as that so Zeke had to shoot the target that would have killed dad so that was his test was you can shoot me or you can shoot the target and kill your dad not save your dad kill your dad and how did I hold on I thought I had this sorted out and he shoots the target but that was, and so he shoots to where he thinks he's going to kill his dad, but actually saves his dad. So he is rewarded for doing the right thing by actually having his dad survive. Damaged, you know, blood loss or whatever, but survive. And then Shank would have been like, you are on my side. I am convinced now that you're with me on this. And then we cut to black. Because he was willing to kill his dad. Right. And then we have the setup of the sequel of, well, is is 
what's Chris, what's Rock going to do now? Or what's Zeke going to do now? Is he going to get in with Jigsaw? Is he playing a game to, you know, was that just so he could get in and, and actually capture Zigsaw, Jigsaw? What was going to happen there? You know, like that for me would have been probably a more interesting... Because now where we're at is they're just still just chasing each other, but Shank knows that Zeke is not with him, is not in on it, in for it. Zeke's lost his dad, so he's... Nothing's really changed there. I mean, he was already totally motivated to go after Shank because he'd killed his friend and he'd... Whatever, all this other manipulation and, and whatnot. So having his dad die was... It didn't really change anything. It just added to the pile. I don't know if that would have that would have done anything on the ideology. Maybe. I mean, should he have to kill his dad as in order to be critique on a problematic structure? Are we going to argue that Chris Rock should have killed his dad? Okay, and uh, maybe it could have been something where, what, what did his dad do? Covered it up? And it's like, oh, well, look, you can blind your dad, but he'll live. <laughs> I'm back on board with you taking away his pension. <laughs> like, like, he doesn't deserve to have, like, taxpayer dollars paying for his retirement because of, you know, you know he did these terrible things. Like you, you totally could have done is hook up some contraption where, like, Chris Rock would have had to pull his dad out, but it would have pulled his eyes out of his head. So, like, it would have blinded his dad, so he couldn't cover anything up anymore, but... Better. <laughs> but he... Oh, man. And that would have fit the theme of the, like... Uh, totally would have fit the film of the see no evil, speak no evil. We should have had some ear action going on in there somewhere. <laughs> Uh, anyhow, um, I think the I think the big picture, Laura, is the film is confusing ideologically because all these questions I'm throwing out at you that you're doing so well to try and address and walk me through are not because I have some answer, and it's not because I doubt what you're saying. It's I think it speaks to the fact that we've done this with other episodes, right? Where we can hash for so long, but at some point we have to just accept the fact that either we're totally missing something or there's there the, the film itself is blurry, is a muddy text. And I think muddy text here is, I certainly, sometimes I do come in and I say, well, no, I'm very convinced that there are all these reasons why this is actually the case. I don't really have that. I don't have this where I can say very clearly, like, for sure, what we're trying to do is both stigmatize Shank and Zeke and whatever. I, I don't have that. So so my questions are, are, again, not to, like, trap you, but just to try and get to get to an answer. And and uh, I, I'm, I mean, I'm thinking on it, too, and I, I still don't have a great... And even sometimes we have a, you know, we do this for those for those of you listening, maybe for one of the first times, we do try and come in and like, okay, how would we have addressed this? How would we have improved this? How would, would he, how, what would we have, which I asked you, Laura, like, what could we have done to make it Chris Rock is 
trying to do the right thing, somehow have a referendum on unacceptable police behavior, but also acknowledge the importance of the police, but with a dread of like going after someone like Jigsaw, who is a total vigilante. I don't know. I don't know. I agree with the muddiness. And I'm I'm okay leaving that conversation there mostly. Okay. I um just for the sake of you can even cut this out if it's not interesting, but I'm just curious. You made me think something really interesting when you when you were talking about the slasher films and punishing people for, you know, bad sexual behavior or whatever. And I just want to try to try to map that onto this because oh, I think there's a difference, but I at first when I said I think you got me, because I mean not that you were trying to get me, but you were right that in a slasher film, people die for bad sexual behavior, but we're not on the side of the villain. We're not, you know, whoever the slasher is in the slasher film. We want them to get away, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that just because we're on their side, the film overall isn't critiquing their sexual behavior, for example, because it is. Like, slasher films are problematizing that behavior, even though you do want those people to get away and the difference in a slasher film i think is that you have the contrast it's the expendable deaths compared to the main character Mm. worthwhile person death right so you want everybody to get away in a slasher film but the people who don't get away are the ones who had bad sexual behavior because we as an audience don't have to care about them so much because they're somehow less human and the main character is not going to have bad sexual behavior because they're Mm. the real one they're the one who like we really care about and yeah they're the one who's gonna make it and so in a film like this does like could the villain be punishing you know bad cops and and even if we shoot down the villain at the end and we say oh you're still a villain could that still be a referendum on bad cops i think only if they were the expendable ones in the film if they somehow were the like like the villains coming out to get people and the only people that the villain's able to get are the ones who are corrupt, but then the ones who aren't corrupt somehow are like the real people who like mm. make it at the end. Maybe that would show that same kind of critique without having to take us away from calling the villain a villain. I'm trying to decide if that if we're mapping that, if then Chris Rock can just be a final girl. That's what I was wondering. I mean, all those other cops are expendable. Maybe. I mean, I wonder, does it work? Like, he gets away because he wasn't corrupt enough. So he's still somehow good enough for us to care about him. Right, he's, uh... He's not a sexual virgin. He's a... Corrupted... Corruption virgin. Virgin. Corruption virgin. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. It's good. It's good stuff. It might work. It might kind of hold. It would totally. I think it's great. It would have been interesting if we had had... It would have been nice to have a, a moment in the film where, like, he was tempted or he had the opportunity to be corrupt and wasn't. He probably shouldn't have... If, if that's the thing, he probably shouldn't have poured the booze on the dealer's broken leg definitely and and there was no need for him to be as close friends with the first corrupt guy as he was that was just sloppy writing if he was supposed to be removed from corruption he shouldn't have been like that guy raised my children yeah and that that whole thing just didn't need to be 
Now that I think about it, you're absolutely right. We and we didn't never needed to meet his wife. None of that whole scene didn't. That could have just been cut, right? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, and he he just shouldn't have been if he was if he was going to be the final girl, which I actually really like. Yeah, I like I the idea of him being great. the final girl, but I don't really think he quite is. Kudos to you. But I think we it could have been done where he was, and if so, he would just need to be outside the corruption. And then Shank is the slasher. Is Myers or Freddie or Jason or whoever. Kind of who gets away and is back for the sequel. And the final girl is, again, like you said, gets away. Had his, had their battle. Loses her friends and her whoever. It almost kind of holds. Oh, it's okay. I right. think it's fabulous. And it would, it would allow you to still critique the problematic behavior. The only thing that gets a little bit... It doesn't, it doesn't quite hold together because they weren't doing it on purpose. And like I said, Chris Rock is not... He's not detached enough from corruption. It also, though, the thing with the sexual behavior is that it's not actually a problem, and so there's no there's no real need to critique that. So by by being like, oh, I hope they get away, it doesn't. There's nothing complicated there because it's like, of course you do because they're not really that's, doing anything. They're just point. you know kids making out in the bedroom or whatever. Whereas here we've got the bad behavior is like real bad behavior. So putting it in the side of the victim, it's still, it's still messy. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. Trying to think if there's any slasher films where the victims are actually doing bad things. I mean, Carrie, I mean, that's not a slasher film, but she punishes the kids who are like, I don't want to just call it bullying. Like, significantly harassing her at school and in her just not everywhere in her life um but she then would be the shank in this she's not the whoever i don't even know who the analog would be yeah and i mean you can do that i think you can do that really effectively you can have a horror film where we're on the villain side and we're we're well, like I spit on your grave, right? We're going after something. Well, not villain, but, you know, we're going after the violence is being enacted on someone who deserves it, ideologically speaking. And that's the purpose of the film is to shoot down that argument. But so, you, So what would we have done then here? We would have just had, okay, here's the incident. And ideally we would have tied that all together. The traffic stop and the lying, that would all have been one incident somehow. And then Shank would have gone after them. But then that then we'd be back to an individualized... There would yeah. be no structural commentary. I really do think there was an effort there to make a structural commentary, both with the, the, upper, the higher-ups being involved in the cover-up and them also being guilty, and the SWAT team ending up killing... They're killing uh, Papa Banks, whatever it's like. Dad, father at the end, and the cops basically being ineffective otherwise. I think it's just a problematic setup. I think there's no way to do it right given how they situated the film. It's like a rape revenge film where at the end of the film we're gonna be sympathizing with the attackers. You just oh, you just yeah. can't that's see that's an analogy that okay, now that Something clicked for me when you said that. So, yes. So then we would have a rape revenge film where... 
where the revenge is so bad that by the end you're on the attacker's side being like, wow, she needs to stop tearing our skin off and whatever. And whoa, that's, that's too much. That's too much. She's gone too far. Right. Which is why you led with audition. Yeah. Okay. God. Sorry. Two hours later, hour later, however long. And I finally caught up to (laughs) to where you started an hour and a half ago. Okay. 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 I'm sorry. But yes, I think I finally caught up. Yeah. That, that's finally what clicked it for me. Okay, yeah. So we, we've got a problematic situation that I still would have liked to have figured out a way to fix it. Even if it was a major change. And I still don't think we have there. That's okay. Sometimes we, we have good ideas on the fly and sometimes I'm okay giving us enough uh, leniency that we're not necessarily going to fix their movie in an hour and a half. <laughs> I, I think given that I find excessive use of force by the police to be a real serious problem that needs to be critiqued and addressed and, and spoken of as problematic, I can't see a way to do this film unless you put us on the side of the villain and then we go attack the police. And I will say that is not a film I would stand behind, particularly when this is such a currently relevant issue. You don't want to put media out there that's suggesting vigilante justice against individuals who you think wronged somebody. Like, that's just a messy, terrible way to go with it. So, like, that's not the answer. But I think that all these other options just end up muddying... Muddying the point is probably the generous interpretation. Having us empathize with the wrong side of the argument is the more problematic piece. I think it's just a bad setup. And that would be real problematic because... That even if you were on the side of some sort of extreme justice for or some extreme penalties for cops, even if you were to accept that part of the argument to set it up as an individual thing would still be an individual thing. And you wouldn't you wouldn't be tied to a a system, the, the structural system of how we police. Absolutely. And who gets involved and who is a cop and who is. And uh, so, yeah. Okay, well, I, the only other, do you have more? I think that I'm no. about one more thing, which is I just want to acknowledge overtly that while they did something with with race, the women in this were total throwaway characters. I mean, even Garza was, even the lieutenant was, I mean, definitely didn't pass the Bechdel test. You know, they had a Latina woman, a white woman, and a, probably a black woman who was supposed to be Chris Rock's wife. And then the one cop who is also like a white woman who goes down to the vault, who he yells at to open the door. But they're all just total throwaway characters. No backstory, no character development. None of them were involved in the corruption. I guess we had the one who like, even her who was with the guy who had the hands pulled off. They're like, you go find him, and I'll go to the check out the location. She was a throwaway too. Were they? Do you think they were just trying to avoid the like torturing women on screen, or, or it might even just been they didn't even think that far. It's like, oh well, this was at least as bad with gender as the first saw, seventeen years ago, right? Seventeen, two thousand four. Sorry. I thought they made small efforts in terms of putting the women in positions of power in the police department. And the one scene where Chris Rock was talking and nobody was listening and she interrupted everybody and got their attention. I thought that was that was something probably 
not much, especially combined with like Chris Rock calling his partner a teenage girl or whatever when he couldn't find his phone and like I don't know, just yeah, it wasn't good. And even that with the captain, she's or the lieutenant, whatever she is, she makes a decision and then he pulls her into the bathroom and is like, No, your decision's wrong, and she's like, Okay. And goes back <laughs> yeah. and puts him in charge. So even her judgment, her one judgment yeah. was was undermined. So she didn't even have that. And then, yes, she yells at people and they kind of give her some attention. But that one piece was undermined already. So, like, there was nothing. And, and I mean, we just literally said the whole scene with the partner's wife and where Chris Rock runs into his, his divorcing wife or separated, whatever, could have just totally been cut without the movie missing. Probably would have improved the film. So there was... I mean, at that point, you might as well just not even put a woman in the movie and fucking <laughs> just make the departed and get it over. <laughs> Let's not even pretend. <laughs> uh, oh, there's just a little side rant. I don't know if you have followed any of Taylor Sheridan. He's making like these modern westerns, and he just had the I think his fourth film come out, and. He's he's like just on his way to being uh, another like Quentin Tarantino, even worse. He hasn't had a, he hasn't he, I, to this day he hasn't had a woman who has done anything in any of the films. He finally this film this most recent films Angelina Jolie is presumably the star, but she's absolutely just a a man's character that they just threw a woman in probably because. Angelina Jolie is a big name they could attach it to, but she's basically useless as a character. None of it makes sense. It's just funny to me to see these films still that are like, just there's just nothing, nothing, no progress at all with gender at all. Nothing, like nothing. Maybe, maybe a few less sexist jokes or like demeaning, oh, don't be a pussy or whatever, but no actual substantial changes. All right, that's all. That's my rant on that. All right, the last piece of, of the podcast or last segment that we do is we step back, take a big picture about everything we've discussed so far and give the film an overall grade in terms of, or where we think it lands overall in terms of, you put it so well, Laura, what you, social significance. What did you say at some point? You had such a good phrase for it how we think the film does overall in terms of contributing positively to societal discourse. Do we want to be in the passing? Um, I guess my, my real base is it's muddy. It's problematic. It does bring up police abuse. And the irony is that because it's muddy, I don't think it, I don't think it like exonerates or excuses police abuse but i also don't think it totally does it doesn't do a great job either of of like problematizing it so i'm sort of like it doesn't do a lot of damage and just having it in such a big movie does i think actually keep it on the cultural radar so i am i am somewhere in the i i could see it giving it like a c minus i think i agree with you and Probably for the same reason I made that argument when we saw Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's oh. Ladder, not Jacob's Ladder, Jacob's Wife. Okay. Which was that the 
argument, which I would consider to be the good argument, was there enough that even though the film seemed to be shooting it down, <laughs> I still felt like it could have made an impact on the audience. Mm. And I didn't feel like the audience's experience was statedly like against the positive message. Right. And yeah, same thing here. I, I guess the fact that excessive use of force and, and misbehavior by police officers actually made it into the film as a talking point is probably kind of a good thing, even though I do technically think that what they did with the film was shooting down that argument in a really weird way. I, I don't think it was intentional. Right. It right. happened, though. So I, yeah, I, I'm, I would be okay with C-minus. Okay. Mess, but possibly decently intentioned mess. I, I can't. I just have to think Chris Rock had good intentions. He's been making, like I said, he's been doing stand-up about police violence and gun violence for... 20 years like you can't how real the actual focus of the um, horror in the film is a crucial component for us as in terms of how we evaluate these films and so having something like this versus some of these other films we've done conjuring like the haunting like the haunting isn't real so when you're saying that whatever is raised up is the scary thing in the film and the violence is meant to depict which is interesting here because actually the scary thing was the victim not the perpetrator but whatever it it's it still... raised it raised issues that are very relevant which honestly would make me critique it more harshly for the fact that it then didn't actually draw yeah. a useful referendum on them or walk us through you know we didn't feel the fear in this film of what someone might feel who was in a place where they were experiencing bad behavior by the police that's how a horror film could be used to really highlight that argument. And we got the opposite. We got the, the, the fear of a police officer who was being punished for having done something, which is not the important fear, <laughs> you know, right, in terms of yeah. that argument. We're, we're Certainly. Like the two wrongs don't make a right argument, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, I do think when, when we take it apart, it's, it's not good. It's a problem the way it was presented. I just, I, I'm inclined to agree with you that it didn't intend that. And by even just throwing those words on the table, like by putting that argument out there, it's it's like Jacob's wife. It's a step above not having mentioned it, even though technically I think what it did was walk us through the experience of like empathizing with who should the people who should be seen as the perpetrators when it comes to police brutality. All right. We appreciate you listening. All the way through, horror films are our collected nightmares. Uh, so I wonder... Maybe, I hope these aren't the same way. I don't know if I'll be able to use this chair. <laughs> uh, that's right, these microphones are so sensitive. Do you still have our credit gum? That one's too sensitive. You got it in a jar somewhere. <laughs> you want some water or something? Okay. So this is my speaking level, I think. So, okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I just took my gum out, so. Oh, I don't like it when I can hear myself in the headphones. That's all right. I'm going to try it.
turn up in the headphones. What? So, so you know, I'm trying to even us out here because this is. Am you, I too you, loud or too quiet? You said you're two, right? Yes. That looks okay, doesn't it? Yeah, surprisingly. Uh, I think these all can go down. What is I'm this? so excited to be here, Marshall. I'm so excited. You've got so much energy, Laura. I'm sorry I don't have your energy to match. I'm just excited to see you. It's been over a year. It's been like 18 months or something. This is your headphone. 14, doll, maybe. Right? So you can... Okay. Oh, shoot. I'm disappointed. I recorded on the computer. I wanted to hit the big blue record button. Does that work? I don't know, but I want to try it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm distracted by my headphones at the moment. I might need to take them off. Uh, well, we should let's start. Right. Oh, I guess we can look visually. Scooch over a little bit so we're off. I think it, it, I think it's better if we're off so we're not talking. Should I scoop my mic with? Yeah, me? that's what I was ideally trying to get. Yeah. Ooh, and then, right. Uh, we should do a test. Things seem to be recording. Yes. Is, wait, what's the question? <laughs> we should, what we should do know. is this. Oh, we're going to listen to it yeah. and see if. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that does. Now I'm worried. <laughs> you just broke it. Do we well, need to no, it's just, I mean, it turns on, but like. It doesn't seem to be doing anything other than turn that timer on. Ah, look, then we can... Change the color of the big blue button. Oh, no, these are... Does that say sexy? What's it? Oh, scary. scary. We can add laughter? I guess. Let's do it. Well, that's what I'm trying to do now. It sounds... This one. Okay. Oh, Go no, I it. need my headphones. Except we're not getting... Aww. Oh, no. That's sad, huh? That's sad. Huh. So someday... I'll just say this now, so maybe you can prepare yourself a little bit. Um, someday, I would like to set up probably a camera here. So we have... Uh, video we could use, if nothing else, for promotion, maybe for a YouTube version of our thing. You mean like every time we're on video, or you just mean like occasionally? Every time. Every time. Well, That's a commitment. Times. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right. Well, maybe. you think about that in two years when you get on, the, on board. <laughs> Thank you for the advance warning. You can let me know. <laughs> you know me. You understand how my timeline works. I know, Thank but... <laughs> But don't you, uh, don't you ever regret us that recording sooner? Maybe, yeah. What? Yeah. Damn, worry about this chair, too. <laughs> That's just, whatever. We'll just call that sound effects. Call it ambiance. Uh, all right, how'd you feel being back in the theater? Your chair is distracting me. <laughs> Let me go find another it's, chair. It's really loud. I, it is with those microphones. Oh, you don't even have that. No, it's off. just really loud. It is. All right, let me go find another chair. Jeez. 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 All right. 
feel out of practice interacting with people. You asked how it was to be back in the theater. I think it was really nice. And it just feels weird. Like the world, it feels weird to be back in the world. You've been in the world more than I have. I'm only recently emerging from my COVID cocoon. So yeah, I haven't been in a building with other people almost at all recently. So so two in one day. It was nice. You yeah. said they moved the barbecue inside. Yeah. Yeah. That was fine because I knew everybody there was vaccinated and I knew them when we were in a house and somehow that seems different. But oh, I went yeah. in the grocery store today too. I had some stuff to bring to the to the barbecue and I didn't have my mask. Like I got to the door. I brought it. I just got to the door and realized I didn't have it. And I was like, oh, I'm late. Do I go back to the car and get it or not? And I didn't because like I'm vaccinated. It should be fine. And it's allowed now. So it should be fine. But it was so weird. I didn't like it. Yeah. I just wanted to get out of there. <laughs> Yeah, and it was so crowded at the theater. The bathroom had a line when I went in. And yeah. I was like, what the heck? I haven't been around this many people in a year and several months. Right. Something must have just let, let out as we were getting in there. Yeah, I mean, I for me, I was... I mean, I I, I really enjoy it. I love, the, I love seeing movies in the theater. I was very happy to be back. Glad we saw this. Um, but other than that, for me... Actually, I was a little bit annoyed we had to wear masks. <laughs> Because, you know, I've got the bar that's vaccinations only, so or vaccinated only. So I've been back just, like, no masks, interacting with people for, like, six weeks. So, I was like, eh. Cheated on my mask a little bit when I, when I wasn't eating or drinking. I was like, oh, yeah, I should put this back on. <laughs> uh, it's great. I love the movies. I wish they would do late shows again. That doesn't work for us, but but then I can sneak in and be. The movie was great. I didn't hear a peep from anyone. So the other three people who were in the theater with us, it was pretty empty. Yeah, I did see that. I think that right, the big, the popular movies must be Quiet Place Part Two, and I don't know. I don't even know what else. Something else was playing. Cruella. Cruella, right. I really want to see A Quiet Place with you. I was a little bit disappointed that we weren't going to see A Quiet Place when the preview came on for it, just because I expect it to be so bad. Oh, yeah. And I'm so excited about it being that bad. I hope it's just as bad as I think it's going to be, and we can just tear it apart. It's a ton of fun. Me too. Maybe we'll be wrong. Uh, <laughs> but doubtful. Probably not. So <laughs> <laughs> like you said earlier, right. I have super low expectations, and I plan to still be disappointed. <laughs> Oh, we're trashing on a quiet place for it too. A quieter place. <laughs> I just hope I explain the premise again because uh, I don't really remember the details from the first one and the it's so confusing. Hear super well, and that's how they target you. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? I know. <laughs> um. Anyway, oh god. Well, who knows if it's doing okay. We may have another week. We could see Quiet Place. That'd be really fun. Let's do it. Yeah. I was glad they showed a Black Widow trailer because I don't care. And then that other... That other movie doesn't really... I was I was, I was ready to... I, I don't know. I was like, am I going to leave? Can I go stay in the hallway? It's COVID. <laughs> Is that going to be weird? <laughs> so I was glad that... Um, yeah, they didn't... What was the other one? The, the 
Dark House or the Night House? I stopped looking. I started emailing my friend in South Africa who I meant to email for a few days. And I was like, oh, this is a wonderful time to send an email. So I won't pay attention to the preview. So I don't know actually what they were. Yeah, I saw a little bit of it. And then I stopped watching too. It it looks very average. I I like the actress in it. Although I can't think of their name. Uh, Anyhow. All right. And uh, we want to record a podcast. I'll take it. <laughs> it works. I'll take it because it's really <laughs> late. Tired. Do you need a, a layer to take with you? Uh, no, I'm okay. I'll just put my coat on and turn my heat on in the car. Okay. Thank you, though. Yeah. I know. Look at this. How, late, how long has it been since you stayed up this late? I know. My cat's been getting me up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Oh, okay. Just Jeez. super not cool, but I only have one room. <laughs> so uh, there's I'm... no place else I can put the cat. To have him not wake me up unless he's in the bathroom where the ducks are that he wants to eat. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, yeah. If it makes you feel any better, I started letting my cats in so they wouldn't sit at the door and meow and wake Aww. me up. And now they don't do that. But Kima, whenever she wakes up, which is usually about 5 a.m., she comes and gets like, right in my face. <laughs> and there's no ignoring a little wet cat nose. That's funny. Um, so yeah, they wake me up. Uh, God, let me think about that. Um, oh God, how would that 